I have a few things to mention to you prior to us going to prayer. Some of them have come by way to try to cross a channel in Alaska by building a boat, a little rowboat, if you will, out of duct tape. It looked pretty good on the shore. He tried testing it out, first of all, in a creek that flowed past his house, and it seemed to float pretty well. And the day that he decided to go out and across this channel, he checked the weather report, and the weather report said that it was supposed to be smooth sailing. But what does a weather report know at the time of when you put your duct tape boat in the channel? As he began to row across this channel, he noticed that the security of his man-made boat was beginning to fall apart. Water was coming in when water was supposed to be staying out. When I read this story, all I could think of is flex steel. (laughs) He had the wrong stuff. It, It wasn't long whereby the Coast Guard was able to find him just shortly before his, his boat sank, and they got him on board, he and his dog that was in the boat with him. And the questions begin to go as like, what made you think that this was going to be successful? With that being said, when we, when we come to Luke chapter 1, And we're introduced to this wonderful biblical illustration of a woman that unfortunately too often we don't impact or at least think of her life unless it's around this time of season. Her her name is Mary. And at the beginning of Luke chapter 1, The same angel that appears to Zacharias and Elizabeth, his name is Gabriel, appears to Mary in in verse 28. Let me read this passage for you, then Lord willing, make some comments that I trust that will keep you from building a boat out of duct tape. Verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord... Let it be to me according to your word. This one thing in my older years of ministry, over these past 30-some years, I've come to realize one thing. I really don't know that much about God. Uh, now you being... Maybe a little bit younger than me, maybe being a little bit older than me, you may know a little bit more than me, but I find ourselves at times like a scene in a movie that was entitled Pistol. It's a movie that was made concerning a basketball star by the name of Pistol Pete Maravich. Probably in the earlier years, before there was a three-point line of shooting, Pistol Pete Maravich averaged in college about, 30, about 47 points per game without a three-point line. Many thought that if he did have a three-point line at that time, he would have very well averaged close to 60 points a game. When Pistol Pete shot he would turn around and walk the other way because he was assured of where it was going to go. He would be considered before Michael Jordan, before Magic Johnson, before all of those, he was considered to be the best basketball player of all time. There's a scene in that movie called Pistol where his dad was a basketball coach. And his team was not doing what he wanted them to do. And so he blew the whistle and called them to huddle up. And as they came, he began to describe for them what basketball is all about. He, he took a ball and he held it up. And he said, boys, this is all there is to know about basketball. And then he took a pen and he went, and he said, that's all you know about basketball. He went on to say that basketball was a lot larger than just moving around the court. It was a lot bigger than making sure the basket gets into the, or the ball gets into the basket. It's much larger than that. He said, there are so much about basketball that we don't even know, that maybe over years of time we'll be able to understand it better. I, I come to Luke chapter 1, and I begin to ask myself these questions. 
The question is about the plan of God. God has a plan, and we've heard it so often. God has a plan for our lives. But have you ever felt that you've been in a situation where all of a sudden you take a pen and you go, that's all I know about the plan of God. There's so much more to it that we don't even see, that we don't even understand, that we can't even comprehend. The question is, at least in my mind, how am I doing in the plan that God has for my life? That's a question we need to all ask ourselves. I doubt on the day that Gabriel came to see Mary, I doubt that Mary's plan for her life included the news that she was going to get. She is a virgin who is betrothed to Joseph. That information is not earth-shattering in of itself, but Luke wants to make sure we've got the right Mary because Mary was, her name was very familiar and would have been more Marys. But this one is particular because she is about to marry an individual who comes from the throne of David. His name is Joseph. And Gabriel shows up. Now let's be honest with ourselves. We can go along in our lives, can't we? And we think we got everything nailed down and then all of a sudden God shows up. What does that do to us? Of course, all you spiritual ones like me say, oh, that would be great. Oh, really? What if God would show up and say, the plan that you have for your life, I'm going to mess it up. And it isn't going to turn out the way you want it or even thought it would be. What would your reaction be? I've studied many years of music, and they tell me I've got an art, artistic mind, whatever that means. I guess I could just be crazy and think it's all right. But, but I place myself in this passage, and I'm saying, uh, I'm, I'm asking questions. Did Mary, when Gabriel is talking to her, Maybe, just maybe, she came up with some kind of question about, are you sure? Who, who am I? I? I think too often in our society today, there's a question that should never be asked, but too often it is. The question is something like this. What's in it for me? God, I'll, I'll take this chore, but I want to know what's in it for me. What do I get out of this? You, you'll notice that question isn't asked by Mary. She doesn't ask that. What amazes me about Mary is that 
The, the word virgin not, just does not mean someone who has never had a child who has, as she says, I don't even know a man. No, it can also mean very young. There is some thought process here that Mary may very well have only been right around 13 or 14 years old when she got this news. And even at that young age, the outcome was surprising to me. All of you are more spiritual than me. I, when I was 13 and 14, the last thing I had on my mind was following God. I was emanating Willie Mays. I caught, I played center field like Willie Mays. I caught fly balls like Willie Mays. I threw people out at second base like Willie Mays. That's where I was going. But God messed me up with two bad knees and two hips that it wasn't going to work that way. God showed up. And at 13 years old, I met an individual that the Lord used to bring me to himself. And it was only there that I began to have just a dot to figure this thing out. When, when God brings a plan to your life, the, the, the interesting thing about it is, are we going to trust him? Will we trust God without any preconceived idea of what the end is going to be? We're faced with that decision every day. And the decision rests upon the fact that will I do, will I be, Will I respect all that God has for me to do and to be without any preconceived ideas of how I want it to work out? When you go through the concordance and look up the word trust, you're going to find a plethora of, of places to turn. One already that is raging in your minds is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your way, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Trust. The word trust is not found in this passage. But the illustration of what trust is, is loaded here. Let me give you at least, in the time that remains, I've, I've got to earn some money here this morning. Let me give you at least three things that we need to do in order to be successful in trusting the plan that God has for us. Embracing God's call on our life will require you to do three things. First of all, 
rely on the presence and the grace of God. Rely on the presence and the grace of God. It's, that's in verses 26 down to verse 30. Because one of the first things that, that the angel said to Mary, God is with you. God is with you. He's promised us throughout all of life's journey, I will be with you, I will never forsake you. I'm with you. I'm here. I'm there. I am with you. But also notice the, the part of his grace. When, when the angels made mention of Mary that you are highly favored among women, the Greek word refers to grace, charis, grace. It's only by God's grace, Mary, that you have found favor. It wasn't anything that she did. She wasn't doing anything out of ordinary of her life. That God came and met her. And it's by his grace that he has established this plan. For the redemption of not only all of mankind, but in, in, inevitably the redemption of even her. Because she's not without sin. I disregard the, the theological thought of some religions that make mention of the fact that Mary was sinless. No, she wasn't. She was not sinless. But by God's grace, just like you, by God's grace through faith, she trusted God. Well, how do we do that? How do we rely on the presence and the grace of God? Well, we don't have to let fear prevent us from following God. Why? Because God is there. I've shared some things with you that I'm very fearful of. I will not go cave caving. It's not because I'm afraid of the dark. It's because I'm afraid of what's in that cave. Yeah, God's in that cave. Praise the Lord. But that don't mean I got to be in that cave. I don't like snakes. They like caves. They want caves. They can have them all. I don't need to be in there. I... Hope that God would never come to me and say, Doug, I, I want to, you got to go down to Louisiana and start living in the bayou. Oh, man. <laughs> There's snakes there, right, God? Yeah, there is. There's snakes there. What would my reaction be? Uh, we're not packing, baby. We are not going to the bayou. I just want to let you know. Uh, but 
Was that the same that God was asking Mary to do? Do you trust me? We need to rely on the presence and the grace of God because we understand this. That fear should never stop us from following God's plan for our lives because of the presence of God being there. The second point of this is God has promised us his grace and his presence. When God reveals his call on our life, it's our, redu- it's our duty to rely upon his grace and presence through the call. One individual wrote it this way and I'm glad that individuals can write better than I can think when he said, often a work of God comes with two edges, great joy and great pain. And in that matter-of-fact response, Mary embraced both of them. She was the first person to accept Jesus on his own terms, regardless of the personal cost. That's what trust is. The second thing that we see in this particular passage when it comes to embracing God's call in our life is to trust the Son of God. We need to trust Jesus Christ. And did you catch what the angel told Mary of who this one is that she is going to bear. He will be great. He's the son of the most high God. He will rule on David's throne. He will reign over the house of Jacob of Israel as well as the whole earth. And his kingdom will never pass away. We need to trust the Son of God. And we can do that because as God's Son, Jesus is unlike any other. Jesus' Father is the Most High God. Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus' kingdom is divine and will last for all eternity. Mark down next to those 2 Samuel 7 and verse 16. It is the promise of God to David, where God promises David that from his line, There will always be a king, and your kingdom is not going to end. 2 Samuel 7 and verse 16. In other words, the reason we can trust the Son of God is because he's the Word of God that gives to us the promises from God in order that we can live a life unto God. It's his word. 
So that boils down to the fact of this. When it comes to the word of God, and we who are kingdom followers, will we submit, will we willingly do, will we understandably heed the instruction from the kingdom word of God without any questions being asked? That's trust. Martin Luther King Jr. described trust this way when he said, trust is demonstrated when you begin to take the first step on a staircase that you can't see the end of yet. Trust and faith are interchangeable, if you will. Having faith in God is trusting and taking him at his word. The third thing as time fleets from us is embracing God's call on your life will require you to trust the power of God. Trust the power of God. To realize that which he says he will do, he will bring it to fruition. If ever there is a more powerful sentence in all of the word of God, I trust that this one will capture your heart. For it says in verse 37, for with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. No, all of you are not going to be Pistol Pete Maravich's. No. But some of you may be very well what D.L. Moody wrote at the entrance into the foyer of Moody Bible Institute that reads this way. The world has not yet seen what God will do with an individual who is totally sold out to him. That's trusting in the power of God. Do you realize that the only thing that is holding you back from totally relying and doing all that God wants you to do without question, the only thing holding back is you. Mary closed off this wonderful sentence, this wonderful glimpse into her life by saying to the angel Gabriel, be it unto me the handmaid of the Lord. Not yet fully realizing all that was going to come her way, she trusted that God and God alone would not only carry her through, but dynamically use her to do what no one else has done before. And that's what God wants to do with you. This Christmas season, the prophets, they gave us the words to anticipate the coming 
Joseph believed God. Mary trusted God. And that's all that God asks us to do. To trust him. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray that throughout all the glitz and the glitter, when all of that has faded away, when we are sitting in our easy chair, looking outside into the wind, may our true happiness, our true joy, come from knowing that we can trust you. We may not know the outcome, we might not even see the end of the staircase, but we know the one who has a plan. And may we, may I, be willing to do, to go, to say, to be used of you as any way that you see fit that would bring you the honor and glory that is due your name. For it is in your name we pray. Amen.